Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. Scripture reading this morning is Daniel 2, verse 44. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. You may be seated. Good morning. It's a, it's a special pleasure to be uh, with each and every one of you this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, before our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, got so many visitors with us today, especially we want to recognize the Murray State students and their families that are with us today. And uh, we're hoping that you're going to come back and uh, the whole semester and be with us for worship. Um, we got some special guests with us this morning from North Carolina. Don and Kathy Iverson. Most of us here at Glendale Road have known them through the years, but those of you that are visiting may not know Don and, and Kathy. They do live over in North Carolina on a little hill, uh, what, 4,000 feet up, um, little hill over there in North Carolina. And, uh, but they spent half the year over in India and have for many years gone over to India and done a tremendous work over there. Many souls have come to Christ because of Don and Kathy and their work. And every time that uh, Don speaks to us, each one of us is uplifted and want to do more in the kingdom. So looking forward to hearing to Don today and hope all will stick around for class today to hear the report about what the good things are going on in India. Don. Thank you, Brother Raymond. I want to say how thankful Kathy and I are to be with you this morning, I don't know of any place else we would rather be in all of the world, and I think you feel the same way. You know, to be in here in this assembly and to, to just know the love that is in this building and in this congregation, this is one of the most loving uh, congregations. One of the sisters back here, I greeted her and she said, welcome home. And I thought, yes, that's the way I feel. I feel like I'm home. Uh, you know, to have our voices blended together and, and, and to be able to raise our voices in song and raise our hearts together in song before God Almighty and to be able to be here and to be a part of these prayers and to be a part of this communion where together we are celebrating uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is our hope. And to be able to commune, to commune together with one another in this, in this fellowship. And I was just sitting here, and I'm so, so excited, I'm spitting all over stuff. But I was, I'm, I was so excited, and I was listening to the singing, and I, and I just thought, wow, you know, this, is, this hour is probably uh, the closest thing that we have to heaven on earth. Isn't it wonderful to be here? Isn't it wonderful to be a part of God's kingdom this morning and to be able to celebrate all of these things? Now, we're going to talk this morning about church growth. Uh, this lesson is going to be a little bit different from the normal lesson that you hear when we talk about church growth. Uh, all the things that we're going to be talking about this morning are things that I believe that all of us can do. 
And uh, because all of us, we have to be focused on growing the church, and especially after coming out of COVID and everything the church has been going through for the last couple of years, we need to be talking about what we can do to grow and what we can do to heal and what we can do to help one another. And the point that I want to make is, in this lesson, all of us, I hope we will ask ourselves, what can I do? Or, 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 or we, we see things and we think about things that we think, I can do that. And so as we go through this lesson this morning, please be thinking about that very point, the fact that I can do that. And in the days of these kings, again, reading from Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44, I've been reading, I've been studying Daniel for the last two or three months. Man, that is some beautiful book, isn't it? You know, here we have Nebuchadnezzar. He had dreamed, he'd had this, this dream. He had seen this image, the head of gold, the chest of silver, a brass uh, center part, legs of iron, feet with iron mixed with, with miry clay. He didn't know what that was, so he brought Daniel, asked Daniel to interpret that. It's a beautiful thing to see. He saw a stone cut out of the side of a mountain, and that stone came, and it, and it hit those feet mixed with iron mixed with clay, and it broke those, and it broke all of those kingdoms, the gold, the silver, the brass, all of those kingdoms were broken and were just blown away like the shaft in the wind. That's the kingdom of God. That's us. What a beautiful, beautiful uh, 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 verses that we have here about the kingdom and about its growth. You know, he said, and, and of course, following King Nebuchadnezzar came Cyrus. He was the next, the Medo-Persian Empire. And you know, when you go over there and you start reading about this, you know the Bible came from God. There is absolutely 100% no doubt that it came from God. Because this is a prophecy being made about the Medo-Persian Empire. The Medo-Persian Empire didn't exist at that time. It was a bunch of shepherds scattered all over different parts of the world, and they had to come together into a kingdom. It didn't even exist when Daniel made this prop prophecy. As a matter of fact, Cyrus, this is about 12 years before King Cyrus was even born, who was going to take over the kingdom of Babylon. But even greater than that, when you go back and you look at Isaiah, the end of Isaiah, the last verse of chapter 44 and the beginning of chapter 45, Isaiah tells the exact name of who that king is going to be. This is before his great, great, great grandfather, great, great grandmother, grandfather, all of them ever existed. Isaiah tells exactly who the name of that king is going to be. How could he do that? God told Isaiah what to write. This Bible comes from God. And this prophecy, these prophecies that, that Daniel is making here, it's things that are going to be transpiring for the next 600, 700 years. He's telling what kingdoms are going to rise and what kingdoms are going to fall. And always all of these things happen just exactly as it is said. Isaiah, you know, you think about Isaiah prophesying 220 years before Cyrus that this was going to happen. In our country, that would be when Thomas Jefferson was the president. In our country, this is when we didn't even have the land that was beyond the Mississippi River. This would have been about the turn of the 1800s when we had the Louisiana Purchase, if you went back 220 years in this country. And imagine somebody at that time writing a prophecy and saying, Joe Biden will be the president of the United States in the year 2020 or 2022 or whatever, whatever year you want to say, to be able to make a prophecy like that. That's how incredible it is. 
what Isaiah has done here. God is so great. And this Bible comes from God. This is really important. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. This kingdom that we're a part of is an aggressive kingdom. It is an aggressive kingdom. We don't just sit back. We have a job. We have a responsibility. We are an army. We are on the march. We are an aggressive people. But we're living in a time where Satan has done a really good job of dumbing us down. You know, because it's not a woke thing to talk about Jesus Christ. You know, people say you invite somebody over to your house. When you invite them over to your house, don't talk about politics and religion. Well, you don't have to talk about politics, but you've got to talk about religion because you're a member of the kingdom of God. And this kingdom that we're a part of is an aggressive, it is an aggressive kingdom. But isn't it true that it's to the point now to where we're scared to say anything to the people that we work with? We're scared to say anything to our relatives. People don't want to mention the name of Jesus Christ because that is not politically correct to talk about in this time. It's very sad. We can't do that. We have to keep on. We have to be aggressive. All of us need to be working together. Now, he's talking about that rock, that rock that was cut out of the side of that mountain and, and, and how that rock destroys all of those kingdoms. And then it says, then that rock becomes a mountain. And when you come over to the book of Acts, of course, in Acts chapter 2, you see Peter getting up, preaching that first gospel sermon. Comes down in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and Peter answered and said unto them, Repent and be baptized to every one of you for the remission of sins. And they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls. I read that, and I think, man, I wish I could be a part of a baptism sometime where 3,000 souls, that's about half the size of the body of Murray State University. I think that's right. 3,000, I wonder how long it took to do that. 3,000 souls. This is that rock coming out of the side of that mountain and it's getting bigger and bigger and it is becoming a mountain. You come over to Acts chapter four. In Acts chapter three, uh, John, Peter and John had preached a, a sermon after they were going up the steps of the temple. The man there was lame and, and, uh, and, and he held out expecting to receive alms from them. They said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I given to thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, arise and walk. And he got up and walked. And then there was a crowd that gathered around them and they started preaching the gospel. And at the end of that, they took Peter and John and they, they locked them up. And then it says in chapter four and verse four, "Howbeit many of them were, who heard the word believed and the number of men was about 5,000. So we see that rock and that rock is getting bigger and bigger. Come over to Acts chapter five. In verse 14, following Ananias and Sapphira and the fear that came upon the church and the fear came upon everybody because of the dishonesty of those two people. And it says, and the believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. Here goes that rock. It's just getting bigger and bigger. And the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Here's that rock and it's getting bigger and bigger. And now today, of course, we are part of that rock right here at Glendale Road, part of the kingdom of God. Therefore, as it says in Acts chapter 8, 
And of course, we know this is when the disciples were scattered and they went throughout the world preaching the gospel. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So what can we do? Well, I think one of the first things that we need to do in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 talks about, I believe it's talking about the grace of God and us being a part of that grace. And because we're a part of that grace, we have a responsibility toward that grace. We all need to ask ourselves, what can I do? Because there is no excuse. You know, sometimes people think, well, I'm getting too old. You know, I can retire from this. I don't have to do this anymore. I'm getting too old. No, you're not getting too old. What it means and what I think happens, you know, somebody runs one of these, what they call marathons or something like that. You know, I've never done that. But when you get toward the end and you start to see that finish line, do you slow down? No, you don't slow down. You pick it up. You know, all of us old people, I put myself in that category. Uh, I'm older than Kenneth. Uh, but anyway, all of, us, all of us old people, we understand we're starting to see that finish line. And I want to tell you, that all of my minutes, all of my hours are becoming more and more precious every day as I see that finish line approaching. So we just need to turn up the heat. Why is it that we think we need to sit back and we need to get cold and we need to stop and we can retire because we're old? No, we need your experience. We need your wisdom. We need all of these years that have brought you to the point that you are right now. It's time for us to turn up the heat all of us old people, if we can still talk, if we can still breathe, if we can still go to Walmart, we can use the talents that we have to serve God. If it, even if it's just picking up the telephone or sending a card to somebody, we all need to ask ourselves, you know, I may be old, but what can I do? Psalm 116 and verse 12 says, whoa, man, what a verse this is. What a chapter this is in Psalm. Psalm 116 verse 12 what shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? What's God done for you? I want to tell you something. If Jesus Christ had never come to this earth, I would not want to have been born. We are the most blessed people in all the world. You know, every day, all day, we're just saying, God is great. God is great. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. One day this week, we were sitting there in the, in the house at, in the morning, and a bear came up to our back window came up this close to the window, looking in the bird feeder, seeing if he could find some bird seed. Our neighbor said, I took my seed out of my bird feeder because I'm scared of the bears. I went and got some more seed and went out and put it in the bird, bird feeder. I want the grandkids to see that bear next time they're there. But we see that and we say, and it was beautiful. He was so beautiful. And we just said, God, you are so great. We see the sunrise and we know that God spoke that into existence. And we say, God, you are so great. We see the church, we see salvation, we see the hope that we have. And we say, God, you are so great. No matter what happens to me, I have hope. What will I render unto the Lord for all his benefits to me? Man, I want to tell you, they're a bunch. I could stand up here for two hours and just rattle off everything that God has done for me. He is totally surrounding us. You know that, I know that, we are all benefited so greatly. Just think about this for just a minute. What can you do for what God has done for you? Has he done anything for you? Oh yeah, he has done everything for us. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Here's some important guys. I wanna spend my life for something that really does matter. When I die, I want my life to have mattered. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole? What if you could bring gas down to a, to a dollar a gallon? 
What if you could go over and make peace between Russia and the rest of the world or China and the rest of the world and get all these people to just get together and hug each other and be at peace and the world be at peace? People say, man, you are something great. Doesn't make any difference if your soul is lost in the end. All of the things in this world, they don't make any difference if your soul is lost in the end. We have a soul. We have to take care of that soul. God breathed in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, God breathed into that man that he had made. He breathed into him life and man became a living soul. That's what makes us different from the animal kingdom. We have a soul created in the image of God. We have a soul that's important, that matters, and the rest we hold in common with cows and pigs. It's the soul that makes us different. What shall I, I want to use my life for something important, whatever it might be, that might help some soul to know the Creator who made them. One of the things that we can do, now we can all do that, can't we? We can all examine ourselves. Here's another thing that we can do. We can all care for the body. Romans chapter 12, 3 through 5 talks about all the different, we are members of that one body. And we all have our function. We all have our part. We are a body here and we need to be taking care of one another. There is so much love in this room and when you look around and you see the people in this room, the potential that we have in this room, the energy, the talents, man, there's no limit to what this congregation can do. I really think you can grow 20% next year from the talents that are here if we just give those talents to God and, and let God use our talents. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider one another. We need to encourage one another. Let us consider one another. That means you've got to think about it. We've got to stop and think about what we can do to help one another. We've got to stop and think about what our neighbors are going through, what our, what our brothers and sisters are going through. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, to cause somebody else to love God more. Oh, man. That's why we're here. That's why it is so important that we are here to encourage one another and to provoke one another. Another thing, we can do that, can't we? We can do that, yes I can, right? That point number two, yes I can. I can encourage my brothers and sisters, I can encourage the body, I can help the body to grow here, I can help the body to feel good. Third thing that we need to do is we need to defeat the defeatist attitude. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Do we believe that? Yes, we believe that. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. People say, well, I, you know, I just, re I just do really, I'm just too ugly. You know, I don't have any hair. I talk, when I talk, it's hard for people to understand me because I have this twang where ours is from East Tennessee, yours is from Kentucky. I think it's worse here than it is where we're from, you know. Uh, sometimes I'm talking to some of y'all and I have to listen really close. And I'm from Tennessee, you know. But anyway, we need to defeat the defeatist attitude. We need to have the attitude that says, I can do this, not because of me, not because of how I sound, not because of what I can do, not because of how I can look, but because of Jesus Christ. You know, that's kind of like Numbers chapter 13 when the, when the spies came back and the, and the 10 came back and they said, we can't do this. We can't do this. These are giants over there. Well, the problem is they're thinking about what they could do instead of what God could do. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go up at once because we can take them. Because Joshua and Caleb believed in what God could do and not what they could do. 
Let's don't paralyze ourselves by being concerned about what we can do or our limitations. Because when we're concerned and when we put limitations on ourselves, we're putting limitations on God. We are the body. So let's don't paralyze the body. Matthew 13, 3 says, Behold, a seer went forth, the sower went forth to sow. I don't know how this works. I don't know how somebody can take a gray seed, put it in brown soil, give it clear water, and that beautiful green shoot comes up. Sometimes it grows into an orange tree. You go out there, you pick an orange off a tree, and you think, that came from the dirt? That came from the clear water? How did that happen? God put it in that seed. I don't understand that seed, but man, it's a complicated thing that I can't understand. God put it in there. The Word of God is the seed in the story of the sower. And God put it in here. When we bring this seed into the hearts of men and we plant it in the hearts of men, we don't understand how it works, but this is the power. According to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God and salvation. So you see, it's not up to me. It's just up to me to teach. And this is where the power is. I just have to bring people's hearts into contact with that. So we need to defeat the defeatist attitude. We also need to pray. People say, well, all I can do is pray. Well, man, that's a big one. You know, Anna the prophetess in Luke chapter 2 and verse 37, she'd been a widow for 84 years. Her ministry was praying and, and just being at the temple and, and serving we need to pray. I mean, what a wonderful thing to be able to lift our voice to Almighty God who created this world and can do anything He wants to do. Can you do that? Yes, I can do that. Of course we can. Care for those in crisis. You know, this happened in Acts chapter 16. Very important. We have the Philippian jailer there. Here was a man in crisis. We have people in crisis all over Murray, all over Kentucky. We have people in crisis, and what an opportunity that that is. Even here in this town, when you, when you pick up the newspaper and you read about somebody who lost someone or you read something that somebody's going through, call up another man or call up another woman and say, let's go over to this house and meet these folks and ask them if we can just pray with them. You know, that one's a little tougher. That's kind of pushing the edge, but wouldn't, yeah, there's a challenge for us. I can do that. Through Jesus Christ, I can do that. Most of the time, especially in this part of the country, people are so thankful that you're willing to come and willing to pray. Visitors, they are a commodity. Uh, I've helped to build a couple of congregations in the United States, and, and most of it is built from the visitors. It's very discouraging when somebody's baptized into the body, and then you go to a potluck or something, and, and they're over there sitting by themselves. When visitors come here, and we want all of our visitors to know this morning that you are in the right place. I'm a visitor too, and I love to come to this congregation. There's not much like this anywhere else in the world. But when visitors come here, we need to be like flies on a sugar bowl. I mean, we need to get around these people. We need to hug them. We need to let them know how much we love them, so much so that when they walk and they're going from their from the door here out to the car, that woman turns around to her husband and she says, well, honey, we may have been looking, but I think we just found this. This is the lovingest, warmest, kindest, most godly group of people that I have ever seen in my life, and we will be back here next Sunday. You know, you shower them with love, 
They can't help but feel that way. Can we do that? Yes, we can do that. Yes, I'm getting some people shaking their heads. Some of y'all are listening to me. Another thing that we have to do is we have to turn loose of the world. 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 70. This is a tough one, you know, because uh, I, I, I'm, I mean, I like Rocky Road ice cream. I like my easy chair. You know, when we talk about turning loose the world, what are we talking about? It may be sports. It may be crafts. It may be anything that is coming between us. It may be politics. It may be anything that, anything that is coming between us and God. We need to turn loose of that thing. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him, as it says in 1 John chapter. Can we do that? That's kind of tough, you know. You mean I can't watch football? Well, you can watch football. Maybe sometimes a good idea to just get up and say, you know, I'm going to make a sacrifice for God. I'm going to turn off this football game and I'm going to go visit my neighbor. You'll feel good about that. It'll be a real opportunity to grow. Your neighbors think you went crazy. But it'll be a real good opportunity to grow. And last thing I want to mention is we need to develop passion. In John chapter 11, verse 33, and you know, we don't study the scriptures enough about souls. We don't study the scriptures enough about where souls are going. We don't study the scriptures enough about the value of souls. We don't, we just, we don't study the scriptures enough about who we are and what can I give to God. But in John chapter 11 and verse 33, Jesus is coming and Lazarus, of course, has died. And when he looks around and he sees the people who are crying, it says, he groaned in his spirit. Have you ever groaned in your spirit? You know, to be, so, to be so vexed that you just groan inside. We need to do that. That's the kind of passion that we need to have for our neighbors and for our relatives and for our friends. Do we really love them? We need to have passion. Passion for all of those that are around us so that we can be a light to them and a guide to them. We can do that, can't we? All of these things... I see some people writing these things down. We can examine ourselves. We can care about the church here. We can defeat our defeatist attitude. We can pray. We can care for the lost in crisis. We can, we can, we can hug on our visitors. We can turn loose of the world. And we can develop passion. Can't we? We can do those things. So let's make it a part. Let's, 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 let's be determined every day. COVID. Man, that's... That's been on everybody's mind. Every day, everybody talks about COVID, don't they? I was thinking not too long about the fake COVID cures. Y'all remember the fake COVID cures? You remember when people thought bleach would cure COVID? Some people said that. Some people accused people of saying that, and they didn't really say it. But bleach, there were people who were drinking bleach, and they thought that that was going to help prevent COVID, and it didn't do anything for them. And that's a very dangerous thing when you have a fake cure. In India, the people believe, uh, many of the really higher-ups, these are college professors and so forth, that believe that if you drink the byproduct of a cow, I'm talking about urine, if you drink the byproduct of a cow, it will keep you from getting COVID. And this is happening all over the place. And people are dying who have been drinking that. Because that's even more dangerous than no cure at all when there's a fake cure because everybody thinks they're okay and they think they're protected and they're not. Sometimes that happens with religion. 
You know, there's a lot of fake religion out here causing people to think they're okay. I've done what I need. I can just feel that in my heart. I know I've done what I need to do. But they've been sold a bill of goods. Not this, not this bill of goods. Some people believed that if you smoked certain flowers, you wouldn't get COVID. And I said to myself, I wonder what they've been smoking. But if you smoked those flowers and you thought you were safe, you weren't. So positive or not. Have you seen this? You've seen these little cards? You know, we have done this two dozen, three dozen times. Take that thing and it just becomes so routine. Stick it up your nose, stick it in that thing, turn it around three times, close it up and sit there and wait and see if that line comes up on that thing. And sitting there looking at it, it's just been like, okay, here we go again. And then three or four weeks ago, that red line came up and I thought, oh man, it's just waiting to see what's going to happen, waiting to see if we're positive or if we're negative. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Lord's coming back with the shout, with the voice of the archangel. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then you come over to Matthew chapter 25 and it says we're going to stand before God in judgment. We'll be standing there waiting to see, am I positive or am I negative? Here's the fact. Every accountable adult without Jesus' blood is positive. We agree on that, don't we? It's what the scriptures teach us. Every accountable adult without the blood of Jesus Christ is positive for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Another fact, the only cure is contact with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. That's the only, that's the only cure. That's a fact. So how do we come into contact with the death of Jesus Christ? Well, in Romans chapter 6, it says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. That's just one of the many scriptures that tell us that. Baptism is important. We come into contact with the blood of Jesus Christ. So we all, all be asking ourselves when we stand before the judgment throne someday, waiting to see, am I guilty of sin? If you haven't applied the blood of Jesus Christ, you are, you are guilty of sin. So are you positive or negative? This morning we want to extend an invitation. If you've never been baptized, if you've never come into contact with that blood, it's so important and we will love to help you today. If you need the prayers of the church, whatever your need may be, we invite you to come while together we stand and sing the invitation song.